0: always do this. We like to start the service. And before Pastor Kyle gets up and opens his mouth, we want to hear from God. And so God's word is living and active. Um, it, is, it is the framework of all that we do and why we gather in this place. And so this morning, uh, as we start a new series together through the book of Ecclesiastes, let us start this morning, Ecclesiastes 1. And we will read together 1 through 11. 1 through 11. And it says there, The words of the preacher, the son of David, King in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits the winds return. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things, yet to be among those who come after. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that your word. Uh, this, this, this morning will be illuminated unto us, Lord, as we, we, we read and as we perceive and speak forth what is before us. Lord, I pray that you would help it to make us more in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that even this, yes, even this this morning will be a delight to our souls in Christ. Lord, it's your name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. So, this morning, you, you may be thinking to yourself, man, okay, so uh, you just heard what I read, and you're thinking to yourself, gee, let me get my pen and paper out. This is going to be an encouraging one, right? And maybe what you're thinking to yourself, I've told you, uh, I, my, my son asked me, are you ready for today? Where is Elijah? Just want to make sure that you're in church, son. He, he left. I don't know where he is. We'll find that out later. Elizabeth, you're here, right? Do you know where your brother's at? Okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's all right. I just want to make sure I didn't, Missy's watching this online, she's like, are you watching our children? And so, uh, uh, this morning, uh, as I've been saying, he asked me, are you excited about this morning's text? And the answer is, absolutely I am. And you think to yourself, why? Well, the question is, and I've been asking you to ask it, is the book of Ecclesiastes a book of depression, If you read what I just read, you might be inclined to think, yes, it is. Is the book of Ecclesiastes a killjoy? My response to you would be, not at all. Not at all is it these things. What if I told you that for the believer whose hope and trust is in Jesus Christ, I'm going to go ahead and start there already. This is not a book of Depression. This book serves as a great book of infinite joy. This is a book of infinite joy, specifically to the believer. You see, when in a day when life seems difficult and hard, Ecclesiastes seeks to speak truth concerning life, where we are right now, where we find ourselves, which may be a disappointment only for those who love this world, who love this life alone, and hope in it for lasting happiness, joy, and purpose. Ecclesiastes says, if you find your joy, if you find your worth, if you find your satisfaction here on this earth, you will be disappointed. However, if your eyes and your hope and your your joy is wrapped up in something else, namely Christ, this will not disappoint I I don't, when I was younger, when I was growing up, I I loved playing war. Uh, My grandfather was in the military. My father was in the military. um, And when I was a little kid, I would go out into the woods and play war all the time. I'm also a child of the 80s, right? Watching Rambo and Commando and stuff. I had no business watching. But uh, in the 80s, every kid woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, ate their, 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 their Cheerios morning cartoons. The TV was my thing was my jam so I watched I wanted to be these individuals and I want to let you know something about me every time that I went out into the woods to fight the enemy did you know that I have never lost a war I'm serious I've never lost a battle now I've been a POW a time or two but guess what I always escaped those things too I've, I've saved men by the thousands I have received medals upon medals I can't tell you how many medal of honors I have all right as a kid, I would go and pretend, and, and my mind was very vivid in regards to this. Another thing I, I loved still, and I loved then, was playing basketball. And so I would go out in the backyard, I would play basketball, and I want to tell you something, I don't know if y'all have known this or not, I have played Michael Jordan several times. I have played Shaquille O'Neal. And I bet you can't guess how many games I've lost. None of them, right? This is how we do While this pretending was enjoyable for a moment, it absolutely was, it was all fake. It was phony. It was a figment of my own imagination. And if I continued, brothers and sisters, to live in that same mentality today, you would look at me and say, that guy is really, really sad, right? There's something wrong with him if he still believes these things about who he is. That man is delusional, is what you would say of me. But listen, I'd say to this, no, Ecclesiastes simply seeks to bring its reader, meaning us this morning, to the point of knowing reality. Ecclesiastes says, wake up. Sadly, many would simply seek to live in this world, that is, pretend, than to deal with the truth that Ecclesiastes is pointing us to. You've heard the expression, right? Ignorance is what? Bliss. The Bible says this. Ecclesiastes is considered wisdom literature. Another place it says in the wisdom literature, where there is much knowledge comes much sorrow. The more you know, the more you, the more you know. It's better to hide your head in the sand, so to speak. Be ignorant, and ignorance is bliss. We know this isn't true. Ecclesiastes says, do not think like this. And I would say that it tells the truth concerning life. And again, as I've already stated, this would only be a disappointment for those who take the book of Ecclesiastes and all the trappings of life and everything around us, we find some sense of pleasure and joy in it. If you read this book with a heart that loves the world and the flesh and the things that are here, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you something, it will wreck your world. It will be a very depressing book if you read it in that, because it's going to tell us something very, very important. But this is what I've always found really, really interesting. Sometimes when I talk to people who have hurt the most, who've had the most setback, the most tragedy in life, it is interesting to me as a, as a pastor, as, a, as I meet, meet with people like this, how often they tell me, those who've hurt the most how much of a comfort the book of Ecclesiastes is. Because oftentimes, people who are hurt most among us, they've already figured out what this life really has to offer. They've already drank deeply of the world, the life that we live, and they say, I am empty, I am desperate, I long for something more. It is those who find satisfaction, joy, maybe comfort in this world who have a hard time actually understanding this book. I just always thought that was odd and ironic that those who hurt understand this book more oftentimes, sometimes, than those who don't. So this morning what I want us to do is I want us to step through this text. And you know me, I like to give you some things that you can take notes on. It makes it a little easier to wrap your mind around. I want us to see and discover three realities together this morning from this text. And those three are before you on the screen. If you're taking notes, the three focuses of this morning's text I want to see is number one that we learn in the text that life is short. Life is short. Number two, joy is elusive. And I'll explain what I mean by that and how that joy is elusive in a moment. And number three, life is repetitive. Life is repetitive, right? Good news. Three points today is life is short, right? Joy is elusive and life is repetitive, right? We can all go on now on our way and hope to see you next week, right? No, that's not what ecclesiastes leaves us with so if you will let's look at point one together first number one life is short and this morning we will start off in verse one and two look with us let's look together at this word it says the words of the preacher the son of david king of jerusalem i'll stop there for a second I want to give you a little bit of an understanding. I'm not going to do this is This serves as an introduction, but I'm diving right into Ecclesiastes this morning. When you see the words of the preacher, which the the one who heralds the truth and is writing here, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem, it's making reference to Solomon. King Solomon, the wisest uh, king possibly in the history of Israel. And, and, and that is who we have before us this morning as you see that statement. Verse 2 Solomon says vanity of vanities says the preacher vanity of vanities all is vanity what I want you to understand is that Solomon is coming to the end of his life and he's looking backwards as a man who has drank deeply of the pleasures that the world has to offer you have to remember that during this time frame Solomon was the richest man on the planet He was the wisest, the most powerful ruler. He lived in, by the way, he lived in peacetime and ease, which is comfort. No problems in his kingdom. He had concubines and wives, thousand plus. He had the best of food, the nicest of houses, the greatest of clothing. And this Solomon before us, who who had everything you you could possibly want and desire, on this side of heaven says, Vanity! Vanity! Vanity, all of this is vanity. The, the, the definition that we have in English for vanity is the quality of being worthless or futile. Some of the synonyms are useless, pointless, fruitless. Uh, the NIV uh, actually goes on to say meaningless, meaningless, as, as we were talking about earlier in the back. Now, what I want you to know about the NIV version is this. I I, I want to say more about the word meaningless, meaningless, and in the connection to the NIV towards the end of this sermon. But just be reminded of that word, meaningless, meaningless. Uh, The word for vanity in our text comes from the Hebrew word havel. It literally means breath of vapor. Breath of vapor. So I'm a hunter and I like I like to I love to be in tree stands. I like to be in nature. I like to get out there early in the morning before the sun comes up. I like to be out there, I don't care how cold it is. I would hunt. I don't I would not run in the the cold. We lived in Iowa for a couple years. I would not run in it. I'd go my, you need to go running. I'm not running in, I'm not running in negative 20 degree weather. That's ridiculous. Who does that? We had friends who would like literally go take for take jogging, they'd go jogging and their beards were full of icicles and eyelids like shut and closed. Like what who wants to do that? Now here's the funny thing. My wife goes, "Okay, you won't go running, but you'll go hunting in it." And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely, I will." One of the things that I used to do as I'm in a tree stand was literally when I'm trying to figure out the windage, because deer have really amazing uh, sense of smell, and you don't want to be downwind, uh, excuse me, upwind from them, because they'll smell you. And so what happens is, oftentimes I'd be in my tree stand, and I'd go, "What is? And what does the wind do?" It carries that, that vapor, that fog from my breath out, and then in, where does it go? Do you see it go for a very long distance? No, it evaporates. Oh, there for a minute, and it's gone. There for a second, and you can't see it any longer. In our text, it says, this is what it means. When, when, when Solomon says, it is all vanity, it is like Kyle's breath in a tree stand. It is there for a split second, and then it is gone, not to be found or recovered again. Life is a vapor. Life is like smoke, like stream, uh, steam. It is, it is it's a very beautiful biblical idea that we see all throughout the scripture. Uh, here's a couple places that you actually see this idea of life as being a breath. In Psalm 144, four it says, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow, it says there uh, before us. Psalm I believe I have those texts on a a, a slide there. Uh, Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as mere breath. James 4.14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, And then it vanishes. Further, when Solomon speaks of the beauty of a woman later on, he sees this in Proverbs 31.10. I always thought this was interesting. He says of her, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. The word vain in Proverbs 31.10 is not here very long. It won't last long. It's fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Again, the picture is of a short span of time. It's our youth. Solomon would have you know this morning, as an old man looking back at his life, it all went by far too fast. Solomon is saying, as I look back at my life, this has all come too soon. Life is short. Many of you, maybe even in this room today, who, who are 70 plus years old, you probably, I know I talk with some of you sometimes, and y'all talk to me about my own children and family, and I know I keep hearing from you sometimes, oh, cherish it while you can, because it all goes by so what? Fast. Some of you know that. You look back and you go, man, where did it all go? Where did all that time go? We see in our text this morning that life is short. Number two, Number two, that joy is elusive. That joy is elusive. And what I want to talk about in regards to joy being elusive is this. At least it's in terms of lasting significance. Hope, joy, and purpose. That's what we're talking about when I say that joy is elusive. I want you to know something. It's not that we can't find joy this side of heaven. That's not what we're trying to say. That's not what I'm saying this morning either. But lasting joy. joy. Uh, that is found somewhere on this side of heaven, it is elusive. It is hard to catch. We'll see this in verses 3 through 4. Verses 3 through 4 says, What does man gain by all the toil at at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. What is the question, or excuse me, what is the answer of the preacher to this question? The answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. You gain nothing of significance from all your toil, all your work, and all your labors under the sun. Now you're going to see this a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. Under the sun means life lived under the sun. Literally, all that the the, the sun touches here in our world meaning all that is created and corrupted due to sin. In other words, this fallen world that we live in. In other words, where does man experience life's elusive futility? Where? This is where the Solomon says, this is where the preacher says, everywhere the sun shines on the earth and in the same time frame before the sun is no longer needed due to God's glory lighting it all. One day when we die, heaven will be filled with the majesty of God. There will be no need for the sun. There will be no need for the stars. There will be no need for the moon. Why? Because God's brilliant Shekinah glory shines everywhere. So now, from the moment that we were all created under the sun, the sun gives us our light until the day we enter into our rest, which is God, that time of span is what we're talking about this morning. It becomes elusive in this time frame. Finding any sense of significance in this life, no matter how hard you work for it, no matter how badly you may want it, will elude us all due to the sin and the fall of Eden. Brothers and sisters, we live in a place corrupted by sin, corrupted by it all. In keeping with the picture of the breath, the vapor and the smoke, the question is, try and catch your breath. Can you imagine if I'm in that tree stand, and literally if you could like take a video picture of me, like watching me breathe, oh, that breath, and it goes up, and me trying to catch it and put it in my pocket. Right? How many of you ever tried to run around catching smoke? Hey, son, we're at a campfire. Go around and catch that smoke and put it in your pocket for another day. Good luck with that. The picture is that life on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, is like running around and if you're trying to find your joy in this world that we live in, it's like trying to catch and hold on to smoke. As soon as it gets in your hands and you grab it, it's already gone. You run again. As soon as you grab it, you look, it's gone again. Your life is continually this pursuit of trying to grab and catch smoke. Philip Riken said of this text. Solomon climbs the golden ladder of ultimate success. Remember, he had it all. And he looks over the brink, and he actually has the wherewithal to step back from the edge, climb back down, and tell the rest of us here this morning, there is nothing up there. I've been there. I've been to the top. I've been to the pinnacle. Brothers and sisters, church, listen. Solomon says, if you're looking for all those things, I've been there, and there's nothing there under the sun. And where is the picture most seen? Look with me in verse 4. A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Now, this is uh, something that happens to me oftentimes. I I love, how many of you you guys are on Ancestry.com? One of those things. Or like you do your DNA test, or you like ancestry things. Anybody on that? I the, okay, I thought I was the only sucker who fell for it, right? So here it is. So so here it is. I love these things. I love understanding like where I come from and and, and what where's my heritage like. And usually, if Misty was here, she would probably get up at this moment and leave the sermon because she's so embarrassed by my like nerdiness about my ancestry, right? But one of the things I wanted you to see is that one of these uh, these people, each of one of these people, and I think if it's working. Uh, we were having some issues a second ago. If you had that clip of my, my ancestors from way back when, you got it? You do? No? It's, it's coming. Da, 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 da. There it is. Now listen, that other one that you see right there wasn't supposed to come up yet, all right? But let me tell you what I was going to do. If you see, now I'm blocking some folks here, but if you see each one of these individuals, these are people who are from, are from my heritage, from my, my family. These are pictures that we were able to dig up and see from all of them and this is what I want you to understand. When, when, we, when I found these individuals and in these pictures, it was really, really neat for me to do so. I had to do a lot of digging to find them in our history. But I'm going to tell you, every single one of those individuals, except for that strapping young lad in the front, um, every one of them are dead now. They're dead. And I found them through Ancestry.com. But the problem with that is, is guess what happened when they died? The earth just kept on spinning. Did you know that? It just kept on going. They have stories, and I know of a couple of them, I was able to read some things. It's just a glimpse of what they are and who they were, but so much of their lives have been forgotten, even to my own family. Some of these going uh, three and four and five generations back. We don't know them. And here I am, or here I am showing you their pictures, and yet not knowing much of any of them in a significant way. Their stories, their memories, their joys and difficulties, all of them forgotten. You surely don't know any of them. And you know what? One day, my picture may be added. That's a good picture to be added to that whole that whole list right there. My picture, see that's me when I was 18 years old, when I had it all figured out. That's me with my, yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my pierced ear right there. I was really, really... I was, I was getting it done, right? <laughs> yeah. This is me at 18 going, the world is before. I can't wait to drink deeply of all that it has. The, the promise is so wonderful for me at this age of my life. But the truth is, as we learn from the preacher, one day, my picture along with my family, my wife will probably be on somebody else's Ancestry.com tree. And maybe they will have forgotten most of everything, if not all, about me. That's what it says before us. Verse 11, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. And the world, it will continue on as it has ever, has always gone on before. Sure, people may for a time recount my life. They might remember me at a memorial service or a funeral. And Then my life is past and everyone else's lives go on. And this picture is the reality of what every generation has in common. It is the same reality that you will also know under the sun, everyone in this room, I don't care how old you are. It is brought about by sin, and it will come to every man and woman. Death will come to us all. When I was uh, in in school, I had to do, uh, and in college, we did a literature class. One of the things that I, there was a poem that stuck out to me by, by by a man named Francis Dugan. And this is what he said about death. Some die of natural causes, some in a tragic way, but every single one of us, a final night and day. Without respect for the power of wealth, without respect for fame, death, the great equalizer, treats everyone as the same. Without respect for anyone or creatures great or small, the billionaires of the world to the reapers, sith do fall, all at least... The one who does claim every life promotes equality amongst the wealthy of the world and those who live also in poverty. Death could care less of your fame and your fortune. Death cares less of your poverty and your lack of popularity. It comes to every man and woman under the sun. All this world's allurements and hope for any sort of significance and meaning is brought to nothing and made short in death. So many live today as if they will never die. Ecclesiastes wants to remind you this reality. You will, and truthfully, if you're actually understanding the Bible, we are dying even as we're sitting here. Gee, Kyle. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to put this one in my pocket for a rainy day. This is a good one. Hang in with me, okay? Conclusion gets joy-filled. First, we got to get the three. We also learn that life is repetitive. Verse five through seven. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around it goes. The wind on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Scott, you in here? I'm going to tell you something. There's your flat earth issue right there, brother. The earth is round, not flat, okay? Now, I just want to let you know something because he's going to get his feelings hurt. He's like, now everybody thinks that I believe in a flat earth. He doesn't believe in a flat earth. He just likes to argue about it, all right? He didn't even believe that, but he's like, oh, yeah, you should Listen, here it is. The earth is round, okay? That's free. That's free. That's free for you. The point that we're trying to make, the point that Solomon makes before us is this. He says that the sun hastens, which means it comes up. But guess what it's going to do tomorrow? It's going to come back from the same place it came from last, yesterday. And then it's going to go back down, and guess what it's going to come back up again? The same place that it did yesterday and yesterday. It says that the winds return. It goes around on its circuit, around the globe and the sphere, and what does it It comes right back to where it started. He talks about the flows again of the water, that those streams, they are Constantly going to the, the ocean, and yet the ocean is never full. And what happens with the stream? Back to, the, back to the, uh, the atmosphere, water goes, and guess what? Rain falls, and guess what starts all over again? It starts its journey back to the ocean. Picture, the picture here is of constant motion and continual action, and what is the finality of the action and motion? Back to the beginning, starting all over again. This is life under the sun. This is a picture of repetitive toil. This is the proverbial picture of the donkey, that us that has the basic have you ever seen the picture of the donkey who has a, a, a pole and a carrot in front of its face. And what does the donkey do? It's always chasing the carrot, never able to eat it. You remember Atlas? always having to pick up that boulder and take it to the top only for it to slip and fall again and all his eternity, all for eternity, he, is, he has been, uh, he's been cursed with having to pick up a boulder and put it to the top of a hill. He can never get to it. Solomon says, this is the picture. This is life under the sun. But I want you to know something this morning. God never, listen to me, he never intended for any of us to live this way. This was not God's plan. Genesis 3, 18 through 19 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. This... This, this curse, this, this reality of life under the sun came because uh, our first mother and father, you talk about Ancestry.com, let's go way back. Our mom and dad said no to God. Our first mom and dad said we wanted our way. And sin entered into the world and corrupted it ever since then. God is good as he ever was good. He had something great for all of us. And sin entered in and corrupted it all. This is life under the sun. Listen to me. Many interpreters of Ecclesiastes suggest that the preacher is simply presenting something that is true only if life is lived without God. As if life is elusive only if you do not believe in God. But brothers and sisters, I promise, I want to say something. This is not true. We were never created to find our full in anything this world ever had to offer. In other words, people would say, look, this the reason why you can't find joy and happiness this side of heaven is because if you're a believer, you can find joy and, and lasting happiness and all this stuff. But if you're not a believer, no, 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 no. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, it makes no matter. You were never, never made to be full this side of heaven. This is not Heaven, this is not our treasure. This is not our reward, brothers and sisters. That is not what we have before us. No, this is why your best life now is not to be thought of this side of heaven. You're not going to have your best life now. The Bible is pretty clear about this. It's the biggest lie that has ever been whispered out from Christianity. It is simply not true. Ecclesiastes blows up this lie and brings us back to reality. Truthfully, if we love and serve Jesus in this fallen world, the world will make sure to make your life a living hell. Your life will be more difficult under the sun than those who do not love God. It is actually biblically promised. Jesus himself states this on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Blessed are you. Have you been watching the news in Ukraine? I have a question. Are you encouraged yet? Are you encouraged yet? Probably saying no. Do you feel like walking with a pep in your step today? Well, here. Now let us realize why all this is actually cause for great joy, hope, and encouragement. Again, this is not a depressing book. It's not, I promise you. And I would not dare leave you in this state. I want you to know something as I finish my conclusion. Every one of us, hopefully, we are here to rejoice this morning. So let us right now, in the face of Ecclesiastes 1-11, let us, let us rejoice. It says, vanity, vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Yes, your life is short. Yes, significance under the sun that joy is elusive. And yes, your life is full of repetitiveness. These are all products of the fall and the disruption of Eden. But listen to me. Your life is not meaningless. Your life is not meaningless. Remember, the NIV does not do us any favors kind of in this. It's true in the sense that I just got finished preaching it. But let me tell you how it's not true. You see, while the sun, the sun, while in repetitive motion, while the winds go round and round again, and while the rivers constantly flow with never filling the ocean, they still serve a purpose under the sun. And the question is, what is that purpose? They serve a purpose to declare and give praise to the glory of God. They all shout the handiwork of our God. The heavens, the earth, the seas, the waves, the wind, the migration of animal life, the seasons, they all declare that God is good that God is powerful, that God is. Life is difficult, yes, brothers and sisters. But listen to me, you in Christ Jesus. It is not meaningless. Verse 9 and 10 says something to us this morning, which I wish to close on. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new, it has already excuse me, has been already in the ages before. Psalm 113, three says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalm 19:1 says, heavens, the heavens declare your glory. Solomon has become a hedonist, brothers and sisters. His many wives took him down dead in roads. All the stuff, the trappings of life, everything that he looked for for significance this the side of heaven, it failed him. He came to the end of his life. He looks and says, I am going to die very soon, and none of this is going with me. Take none of this with me. He is looking back, and now he realizes it was all, all of it, all of it was meaningless. All done for self and self-pleasure under the sun. All that, listen to what I'm saying. All that is done for self and self-pleasure is meaningless under the sun. That all is meaningless and will not even live past you. But all that is done, and all that is given to the glory of God, this side of heaven, is not meaningless for you in life, brothers and sisters. Do you get what I'm saying? You were made for better and greater things than all that the the preacher of Ecclesiastes says he looked for. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes for me my understanding and comprehension of the book of Ecclesiastes. It doesn't become a depressing book. It becomes a book of saying, hey, I don't know if you know this or not. This isn't it. Have you looked to Christ? It's a joy-inducing book. We in this room, if we put our faith, hope, and trust in Christ, we are adopted sons and daughters This is not our home. And Ecclesiastes seeks to remind us all of this reality. And this is all great news. It reminds us. I don't know if you need this sometimes. You need reminding like I do. You are not home. This is not your home. The Bible says of us who in Christ Jesus, we are strangers. We are pilgrims in this land. Here today and gone tomorrow. Do we have eternity across our eyelids? Jim Elliott the martyred missionary to the Indians of Peru said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Oh, I love that. The man died a martyr, left his wife and children in the Ecuadorian, uh, excuse me, Ecuadorian, not Peru, the Ecuadorian jungle. Missionary C.T. C. Studd once said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Nicholas Ludwig von Zizendorf. You're like, what the world? He said, "Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten." Pretty good. It's pretty good advice. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. The work that we do, as enabled by and through Jesus Christ, it matters. Life matters. Life has meaning and it has purpose again. Brothers and sisters, this side of heaven, we can experience the joy of knowing Jesus and being instruments for his glory to a world that does not know him. This should become our great delight, our great joy, our great desire, and it is ours in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Life through the Son and the Spirit is eternal and has hope and joy in being established above the Son. Not life under the sun. We live this life with men and women who now have our identity above the sun. Meaning with the sun, S-O-N, not S-U-N. Because of Christ and the gospel, we live in this world under the sun with above the sun reality and hope. This reality may not save me from the shortness of this life, as we saw this morning. It will not save me from the elusiveness of significance under the sun, the joy in all the things that were the trappings, and it will not save me from the repetition that may be experienced by all of us in life. But listen, meaningless will never be the outcome of those found living for the glory of God under the sun. It lives past us. C.S. Lewis has once said, and I quote, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Let me break that down. If you're having a hard time finding lasting pleasure and joy this side of heaven, I've got good news for you. You're looking in all the wrong places. In Christ, and the gospel, and the hope of life everlasting with him, being useful for the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, we were made for another world. Maybe, maybe sometimes I'm discontent this side of heaven. How many of you have ever been discontent in life? Now, this can be different for all of us. Those who are believers, maybe there's not. Listen, as a believer, guess what? As a believer, as a preacher, as a pastor, I have oftentimes been disappointed in life. And sometimes I sit around. I'm human too, like all of you. And I, Sometimes I sit there and I, I call it wall rubbing, Will you like, feel sorry for yourself. And you just rub the wall. What was me? They have, they got, they need. they. I don't have. I didn't get. (laughs) I I become a wall rubber. Brothers and sisters, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was not made for this world. Praise God. Those of us in Christ Jesus know the difference. Is is Ecclesiastes a depressing book? Is it full of discouragements and sadness? Only for those who love life under the sun so much and too much. However, for the New Testament believer, it simply reminds me, it reminds us, it reminds you of the greatness of my, our, and your Jesus Christ. Amen? This book, as we'll come to see in the next couple weeks, is not a book of depression. It is a book of absolute joy. It says, Ecclesiastes, you're looking in all the wrong places. Look to Jesus. Look to Christ.